Welcome to Madam's Hoes and Gigolos, a podcast about the history of sex work and historical events surrounding sexual revolutions. I'm your host, Heather, and with me are my friends, Connor and Anthony. Together, we've created a bi-weekly podcast discussing all topics about a timeless taboo, the history of sex, sex work, sexual revolutions, and sometimes scandals. And joining us today is Sunny, who is the host of the Don't Tell Me, Tell the People uh, YouTube channel, where she has nightly panels discussing pop culture, politics, and social injustice. Hi, Sunny. Welcome. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Thank you. We're doing well. How are you? Doing great. I'm awesome. First and foremost, I want to thank you for being here and thank you for trusting us to come on here because I know how with the networking community, it's important who you attached your name to. And I'm thankful that you you trust us enough for this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for the invitation. And did you say you haven't been on another podcast before? Uh, no, I've never been on a podcast. Yeah, well, this is your first podcast fun. experience, huh? And it's on yes. Madam's Hoes and Gigolos. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. We'll be gentle. Yeah, how are you going to bring it to your family? <laughs> <laughs> I I do watch Sunny's YouTube channel, and so for her months, I've been in for months, I've been in her DMs saying like, "Come on, I'm going to work on Anita Hill, and you would be perfect for it. Please, please, please!" Like, so for her to do this, mm-hmm. and for me to feel like I got. I got this. This is like a win. This is like a stormy level win. She has been excited (laughs) about having you on this podcast for for quite some time. So, right. You've been my friend in my head and I just, oh my God, I love her. And now, and now it's real. So, oh, this is so so awesome. I feel so honored to be here, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Aww. Guys, it's so much fun. Thank you. Well, it only it's only gonna get better from yeah, here. We'll see how you feel in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's just jump right into it. Anita Hill has inspired a generation of women leaders to protect women and to protect them in the workplace. She ignited a movement, inspired, led, and transformed cultures. In the pantheon of women shamed for exposing high power men. Before Christine Beasley Ford in 2018, before Monica Lewinsky in 1998, there was Anita Hill. In 1991, when George H. W. Bush, the old one, not the son, nominated Clarence Thomas for the Supreme Court, an interview that Hill gave to the FBI was leaked to the press. In the interview, Hill told stories of her supervisor, Clarence Thomas, disgusting, well, discussing, not disgusting, but... (laughs) bestiality, porn, Mm -hmm. with rape scenes, group sex, and how he discussed his own sexual powers and anatomy. So I guess we're not going to make judgments on whether or not that's uh, disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I draw the line of bestiality. I think that is (laughs) disgusting. That's disgusting. I like how you you said George H.W. Bush is the old one. uh, (laughs) When when you could have said he's the deceased one, and they're both old. (laughs) But, but, you know, know, we were kind of talking a little bit before, and Sonny, you had said something that, that rang true with me, too, is that you know, when this was happening, I don't really remember the ins and outs of it. I mean, I saw it on the news and I knew that something had happened, but it's going to be interesting to kind of dig into the seedy underbelly of this. Right. Yeah. I remember watching or I remember hearing it and hearing other people's responses to this and me being a child. I I, I don't I forgot how old I was at. 
1991, 12, 13, um, being a child, but like I was being influenced by the people around me. But now reading it, researching, writing, and now presenting it, I was wrong at 13. And so were other grown adults who were yapping in my ear. You know, that's what we learned <laughs> right. when we did the uh, Lorraine and Bombit story, you know, and, and we all saw her as like the crazy uh, bitch who cut off her husband's dick. And I mean, there's truth to what she did, but her motivation, like her, her reasons she, for it. She was an abused woman. I that, still think well, I always thought that. she was right about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Well, you know, but I mean, it, it's very similar in the fact that, you know, I think that there was gender dividing lines in, in that case and it is for, for actually most things in life, right? But um, especially for, for this one as well, because... You know, there is definitely a double standard and there is uh, a lot of victim blaming and still happening today. And let's not forget, Anita Hill was October 1991 and Lorena Bobbitt was just after in June. So they coincide oh. within hmm. the wow. timeline. And I think one took a lot of the air out of the room and, and the, the dick off the guy. <laughs> Same time. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's what we were talking about. Well, this one kind of got swept under the rug, didn't it? Yeah, there was still the, the the '90s pattern of making the victim the villain. I mean, we yes. even watched it with with Monica Lewinsky, how she was this 22 year old who was intoxicated with the power of, or in, in seduced with the power of Bill Clinton, but she was 22. Right. You know, like, but mm -hmm. they made her into the sexual seductress but not the man in power. So Sonny, what, what was your, what was your recollection of, of that time back then? Like th what were your thoughts on the case? I, when I first heard about it when I was younger, I think I was like 18, 17 at the time. And, um, I thought Anita Hill was wrong. I thought she was trying to destroy this black man mm -hmm. because that is what was being put in my head. She's destroying this black man. Why can't we all get along? Um, and over the years, um, I never really had a real big opinion about it, but I knew I didn't like Clarence Thomas. So if I saw him, I think, oh, he, he, yeah, okay, he looks a little freaky or weird. <laughs> um, but reading this and watching the videos before coming here, the, um, the trial or uh, her testimony, I believed her. And well, I'm older now, of course, but I believe her, um, yeah. you know, thank God for the Me Too movement. Right. Yeah. You believe the victim. Mm -hmm. When I watched him do his testimony, you could tell he was victimizing himself and making her the villain. And woe is me. And I said, oh, he's mm -hmm. a liar. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So I what regret. Did he, he ended up calling this a high tech lynching. Yes. High tech. So he brought race into it. Right. He was high tech in the nineties, Connor. Well, how... even <laughs> even <laughs> even Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby's wife compared him to Emmett Till after everything was, was said and right, done. So right. Well and you know what Sonny brings up a very interesting point too, um, that I'd kind of forgotten about is that, you know, I mean Clarence Thomas wasn't the, the first black justice, but you know, it was one of ours getting in and how dare she try to stop that, you know? So, right. you know, that, that, that was a thing. That was definitely a thing. It was like, you know, somebody's trying to keep him down again. Da, 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 da. And we never right. thought like, you know, anything about Anita Hill, 
we just we just kind of overlooked that and said, you know, somebody's doing this and somebody's cooking this up, so we can't have anything. Da 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 da. So that's a totally great point that I totally forgot about. Right. You know, yeah. You you mentioned the dividing lines between men and women, and obviously there's going to be some uh, lines divided on on race too. But in this case, it was a black woman talking about a black man. Do, do you think that that had anything uh, to do with the way that people perceived to her? I, I I'm sure she definitely felt that. For sure, where people saying like, "How how can you do this to one of ours?" Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I I'm I'm you know I haven't read into the information, and I don't know if that's in here. <laughs> and I, because, I, I, you know, I can see Heather you know, saying, "Just wait and see, guys." I, I do my research, sort of wink, wink. But um, I no, know absolutely. I know it did happen, but I don't remember if I put that in. I don't remember. So when you okay, so back then you have women being paid less. I think I read in here where he said that, you know, women should bear children. He's a very conservative uh, person. Old school. Definitely the op definitely the opposite of who he was replacing, which was Thurgood Marshall. Right. Mm. Um, so I think that he and even when I when I read about the part about he, he talked bad about his sister. You know, she's the epitome or she's like the golden child for how black people are in society, not exceeding and not motivated, just lazy or something like that. And being on welfare, even though yes. he never took an account, he was raised in a different household than her. He right. was he and his brother were, were picked up and able to get raised by his his grandfather grandfather who who was mm -hmm. making a decent living while she stayed behind to help the sick aunt right and so they were two and, different divides but he created that narrative right and he also um benefited from affirmative action which is once he got into off or got into got on the stand he wanted to abolish it mm -hmm. which i found was very fascinating mm. yeah this is going to be an interesting one, guys. Yeah, let's, uh, let's keep going. We, so far, we've gotten through uh, one paragraph out of like 150. <laughs> so for eight hours, Hill testified under the hot glare of the cameras and the lights. Oh, shit. I just lost my place because my screen went black. <laughs> okay. It's a black thing again. <laughs> for eight hours, Hill testified under the hot glare of the cameras and lights in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. She was forced to answer grueling questions like, are you a woman scorned if she had a martyr complex or if she had plans to be a hero in the civil rights movement? Wow, that's a real thing. That's like the third or fourth woman we've talked about who's had that exact question. Are you a woman scorned? Yeah, that's a thing that people ask. I guess so. Or, you know, the, the proper question would be, are you a woman violated? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's, that's crazy. The hearings polarized Americans. Some thought she was a woman scorned and others thought she was attention seeking. While others found her treatment by the Senate committee sexist and demeaning, the scandal motivated a number of women to enter politics. And by 1992, it became known as the Year of the Woman. A historic number of women were elected into Congress. The Senate and the House went from six women to 47. Nice. That's, That's pretty huge, amazing. Huge jump. Yeah, yeah. So awesome. on this episode of Madam's Hose and Gigolos, we discuss Sonita Hill and the Hill-Thomas hearings that was variously described as a turning point in American politics and the awareness of sexual harassment. 
Information about this topic was gathered from Speaking Truth to Power, written by Anita Hill, and Strange Justice, The Selling of Clarence Thomas, written by Jane Meyer and Jill Abramson. Though not a fan of the Reagan administration, Thomas was the Assistant Secretary of the U.S. Department of Education Office for Civil Rights. Civil rights, being a cause important to Anita, was sold on Thomas's speech to her about black solidarity and whatever misgivings she had about the administration, he said, be loyal to him and not the administration. So at 25 and a year out of law school, Anita Hill accepted a position to be attorney advisor to Thomas. I'm thinking back to uh, what I was doing at the age of 25, and it was not being a year out of law school. <laughs> yeah, right. and, and working your way up so quickly. Man, I was getting a divorce. <laughs> I think I was sleeping on my mom's couch, but that's... Uh... That's funny. <laughs> I'm trying to think, what was I doing at 25? Mm, can't remember. <laughs> I was getting a divorce. That's all I remember. <laughs> Thomas could be the best and worst thing that happened to her. He could help her build her career in something she was passionate about, or at the same time, he could dismantle it. Committed to the movement and believing that she could serve both the administration and the goals of equality, Anita learned that Thomas and her had separate outlooks on civil rights. She became unpopular with the administration. And soon, Thomas would begin to discuss his private life with Anita, the trouble in his marriage, his son, and the difficulties he experienced growing up black in Georgia. He would attempt to mold Anita into this conservative political beliefs and starting asking her out outside of work, which she would resist. Anita had no family in Washington. Her close friend was also friends with Thomas and had zero political contacts. But as his assistant and maintaining professionalism, she felt conflicted and that she needed to protect him. I feel that, like the burden, the burden of feeling like you see this man, but you have to protect him. Right. Um, yeah. Why is that? Is it because he hired her right out of law school to uh, get this like really great advisory position? That's a good point. I mean, possibly, or or as for me, where I always date would I would date men that I felt like I could fix. But I like your theory better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but then he also tell her he he said to her that you know we have to move in solidarity here. Right. right? And so I think. For her, you know, like I said earlier, she probably felt like she had to protect him because they were the same race. And, you know, we have to move together in this process if we want to, you know, get ahead. So I think that was part of it as well. Yeah, right. that's so shitty because he could be like a terrible person. and Which if, he was. And if, and if she turns, <laughs> right, but if she turns on him, then she's being disloyal to the to the whole cause. Which is exactly what they painted that, yeah. painted her as. But But like internally, like she's got to deal with that. Yeah, no, that's why. Yeah. I mean, when I watched the, her testimony, I could see the sadness in her. Even now, if you see it now, she just looks like a person that just, you know, she looks sad to me. So during that time, at a young age of 25, he molded her. It's like a predator. Yeah. Right. That's how I felt he was. He saw her young. I'm going to take her in. I'm going to mold her into what I want her to be. And then, you know, he knew how to pick up what was important to her to get yes. her in and then, you know, slowly try to, for lack of a better room, groom her into yes. the conservative political lifestyle. Right. So in 1982, Thomas was nominated to the chair of Equal Employment Opportunity Commission 
And by this time, Thomas was in a relationship and the comments to Anita had stopped. He wanted Anita to continue to her to work with him, offering job security as there were rumors of abolishing the Department of Education Office for Civil Rights. The Reagan administration had planned to use layoffs and budget cuts to eliminate this program. She decided to ignore the past history of Thomas and move on with him as a professional choice. One of her jobs, ironically, was to review sexual harassment policies for the government agencies. The EEOC was the office that would investigate complaints and make recommendations for the government agencies. The administration's rhetoric was more of lessen the employer's responsibilities approach with the assumption of harassment wasn't harmful to the victims. She would eventually recommend a policy that stated employers were liable when the supervisor sexually harassed employees or the employer failed to respond to claims. Begrudgingly, Thomas accepted these recommendations, and later Anita would learn that Thomas had been a part of the team that wrote the policies reducing the burden on employees. Hmm. So he's just setting up the roadmap already to what... Well, and you know, I mean, all we know about is Anita Hill, right? <laughs> Who knows if there's anybody else in his past? Oh, hmm. just wait. I knew oh. that was coming. <laughs> oh, did I set that up? Okay. Anthony read ahead, didn't he? Sunny and I looked at each other. Yeah. We knew it was coming. So, you know, because typically this is a pattern, right? right. Of, of you jumping ahead? You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. Again, I, I need the, the listeners to think that I actually know what I'm talking about. I mean, you're, you're on the right path. Thomas also echoed the rhetoric of Thomas Sowell that the reason women earned substantially less money than men was because women wanted it that way. Women took <laughs> less demanding jobs so they could drop in and out to have babies. During his time at the EEOC, he'd be forced to wrestle the issue of pay and equity between sexes. So, <laughs> uh, I just, it, it boggles my mind that, you know, and we come from this time, we were alive, this isn't pre-us, that an argument like, you know, women want to be paid less than men. Yeah, and if something happens something to them. something that floated and they, they were like, yeah, that makes sense. Anything like, that happens to a woman, then she's asking for it, right? That we're just, that's just how it is. We, we, we make the rules and but so, again, somehow we blame it on the, the women. But again, this thought has, it's, like just disappeared. It hasn't even disappeared yet, but it's getting better like yesterday. It's not like back when this happened. Like, how have we thought like this for as long as we have? It's the good old boy uh, system, isn't it? I don't know. I saw a video recently with Steve Harvey saying <laughs> yeah. uh, the, re the, reason that, uh, the reason that men cheat is because uh, women allow it. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I like to, to watch um, motivational motivational speaking in the morning to get me going. I won't touch Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey I won't, said that? He's I won't, one of the dumbest. I, yeah. I, I feel like like it's like you're unhappy because you're just a miserable person. And like, I'm just like, no, no, I'm just having a moment. <laughs> like, I feel ashamed. But like when who I do watch is I watch interviews of Jay-Z. And that's where my motivation comes from. But... Why you know, you? just, 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 because uh, I'm so disappointed with Steve Harvey. I, I didn't hear that. And 
you know, just host family feud. You've and never don't say anything. watched his no. motivational. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, because I'm afraid of it. <laughs> I'm afraid of what I might hear. I have <laughs> never <laughs> felt so much shame for having a bad day as I do when I YouTube Steve Harvey motivational quotes. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> I'm very glad motivated. I don't do that. Uh, Steve Harvey couldn't give me any kind of advice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I'll just watch a Jay Z interview. <laughs> I should have. I should have known once he started hosting like beauty pageant events. So, yeah. And then getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, Thomas's harassment started. Comment about Anita's hair, legs, body. He asked her out and every time she declined. She saw then professionally that more significant assignments were being assigned to others. He would complain when she asked him to approve special projects and he was difficult or brash with her. Anita one night checked herself into a hospital, one night due to stomach pains. The doctor attributed it to stress, and Anita decided it was time to leave her job at the EEOC. She was hired as a teacher at Evangelical Christian O.W. Coburn School of Law at Oral Roberts University, close to her family in Oklahoma. On her last day at the EEOC, Clarence offered to take Anita out to dinner once again, and she declined. But this time he explained that it was a professional courtesy and not a social engagement. So she accepted. And at dinner, he discussed her work, but also mentioned that if she ever told anybody about his behavior towards her, it would end his career. He never bothered to apologize for his inappropriate conduct and had no concern with how it impacted her. So at the time, Anita did not pursue claims of sexual harassment against Thomas because the results of the cases were mixed. In the 70s, some federal judges deemed harassment as purely personal behavior. Others accepted it, though, reluctantly. It wasn't until 1986 that the Supreme Court would declare sexual harassment was sex discrimination. And while Anita was teaching at Oral Roberts Law School, she didn't have the support of all the student body when she was hired over a white male teacher. Some expressed their resentment openly, others were cordial. A few would spread rumors about her or respond to her that she didn't have the answer to a racial slur here. 60 students protested stating she didn't have the qualifications and only got the job because of affirmative action and being a woman and a black woman. Ignoring that she was a graduate from Yale Law School, which was regarded as one of the best law schools in the country. O.W. Coburn School of Law was sold to University of Virginia, and Anita decided to stay in Oklahoma and started teaching at University of Oklahoma in 1986. And by 19, 1988, was promoted from assistant to full-time professor teaching commercial law and contracts. But on the morning of July 1st, 1991, America waited in anticipation for the president to announce the nominee to replace Justice Thurgood Marshall on the Supreme Court. Though President Bush maintained race was not a factor in his deliberations and insisted he would pick the best qualified candidate, he announced Clarence Thomas, whose personal con contradictions perfectly matched his political ones. As a black conservative, he could symbolize diversity when denouncing the concept of affirmative action. Clarence Thomas was a precious political commodity, succeeding Thurgood Marshall. He would be the second African-American to serve on the court, his race and his background could protect George Bush and the Republican Party against complaints that the party was once of privilege and being particularly insensitive to blacks. His work as, his work as the head of EEOC 
one points with conservatives. Clarence opposed. Yeah. A, did you? Sorry. But, yeah. <clears throat> so basically, the way I saw it is him just being what we would say a pick me. <laughs> he was, you know, a person that was put in place because they needed to have a black person because they were replacing a black person. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that to be interesting. And he's not even uh, educated. Uh, well, he's educated, but he wasn't good at his job. Right. And he, he didn't have the proper qualifications. Right. In fact, I think I remember reading that he was he sco- scored the lowest of all the Supreme right. Court justice. Like by whom? What? Well, he was. I, I forget. I, I don't remember if I wrote it, but there, there was a, a list of qualifications and he was like, I don't know if he was underqualified or just barely qualified mm. for the position, but he's had scored the lowest out of all the other Supreme Court justice. Well, you know, and it, you know, I mean, we're talking a lot uh, these days about, you know, stacking the deck as far as the, the Supreme Court goes. Right. So, you know, uh, you have a conservative president and, you know, it's important that we replace a black man with a black man, but let's make sure that we can use him as a conservative puppet. Right. Know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that was our goal. And right? he seemed okay with it. So Clarence opposed affirmative action, though he benefited from it. Growing up in Jim Crow, Georgia, having the opportunity as a black child to attend private school and a Yale law school on the racial quota. Everything his predecessor, Thurgood Marshall, had fought for, Clarence Thomas would dismantle. In, two, in fact, in 2013, when Supreme Court voted to expunge affirmative action, it was Thomas's vote that expunged affirmative action with a five to four vote. Clarence had told stories of being a self-made man, being raised in poverty, much like Lincoln in log cabins. When in reality, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Please continue. I'm sorry for that outburst. (laughs) When in reality, he was seven. When when in reality, when he was seven, he and his brother went to live with his grandfather, who ran a coal and oil business, a small farm, and had even built and managed several rental houses. His grandfather converted to Catholicism because it gave the boys an opportunity to attend private Catholic school at a reduced tuition. Just like Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) Clarence had an older sister who, who was not granted these opportunities as a child. She stayed back at home at Pinpoint, Georgia, where she attended segregated school and picked crab meat at the age of nine before and after school. When her life deteriorated, Clarence Thomas singled her out as a case study. She was the kind of person public assistance breeds and would call them mm. trifling and lazy behind closed doors. Man. Right? His own sister. His own sister who wasn't given the opportunity. Yeah. Right. And he had all the opportunities. He, he benefited did. from, you know, affirmative action and he just had a better life. When he tells the story, his Lincoln story, um, <laughs> You think, oh, this dude, he pulled himself up by his bootstraps, the American way. You know, he had all these, mm-hmm. he found the opportunities to become, a, you know, to work for the justice system and equal rights. And the whole time he's, you know, not really, to me, he had a lot of self-hatred, actually. Wow. That, that, I mean. Yeah. I think it's a very good point. Like, and you know, like his accomplishments aren't as great as he's touting them to be right i mean no. i mean like right. again and, 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 you know i mean 
the guy accomplished. I'm not going to take that away from him. You know, I'm not. Right. I'm not a. Uh, a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> <laughs> well, he yes. wouldn't be either, right? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Technically. Exactly. But you know what? You are a podcast host on Madam Hose and Gigolos. That's true. And that is something That's true. better. You know, if that was a qualification, I would definitely be on the uh, Supreme Court. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me too, me and, too. And, you know, the... You know, I, I have no no scandal whatsoever. <laughs> Ever, no one has anything bad to say about me. That's, except I for, mean, I don't have anything bad to say about yeah. you. Thomas didn't even have the qualifications for the position. In less than a decade, he went from junior Senate aide to Supreme Court justice. Bush would insist he was the best qualified, but the truth is Thomas had been on the bench for less than two years. It had been more than a decade since he practiced law, and even then... It was only an entry-level position. In fact, Thomas never litigated a case before a jury, and not even during his brief stint as a judge, never even vocalized a substantive constitutional opinion. His qualifications were a topic of debate for the summer months of 1991. The American Bar Association gave Thomas the lowest rating ever. The Leadership Conference for Civil Rights opposed his nomination, stating that he let his personal opinions interfere with his constitutional and statutory responsibilities to enforce civil rights and demonstrated consistent hostility to many of the Supreme Court fundamental, central, fundamental civil rights. Thomas' critics within the black community were convinced that the community would be better off with a white conservative on the court instead of Thomas, and that his race was secondary and even problematic as it would lend credibility, as it would lend credibility to an anti-civil rights agenda. What are your guys' thoughts? <sighs> oh God, we got the sigh. <laughs> we got the sigh. Uh, I'm. Um... I, I just I, I I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing this this play out because again I feel like I I wish I knew more about this long ago but um, isn't it interesting to like now yeah and 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 in this place like you know I, I think it probably would have been lost on me in my my young it was but you know and and, and, and like we talked about earlier like going through um, me too and 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 you know the way that hopefully we're, we're, we're going like looking back at all this stuff that seemed so commonplace back then and seemed like a non-issue is like mm -hmm. very, um, <laughs> it's very, uh, eye-opening and, and very disappointing. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing you read this and I'm just like disappointed in human nature <laughs> and myself and like my dad you know because <laughs> he was probably oh, he was, he was probably all about Clarence Thomas oh he liked Clarence Thomas <laughs> I'm sure he did well maybe but, you know, yeah, yeah. but but would the alternative yeah. have been better if George H.W. Bush found somebody else who wasn't a, a, a black man he would would he have been any better either way he was still a Bush puppet I, you know, who knows? I don't know. Like, we can only go, you know, you can do the butterfly effect thing all you want, but this is what we got. Yeah, you know? I mean, so, it, it, it <laughs> makes me mad that this guy did benefit from affirmative action and... Uh, then he dismantled it. And, and the, people right. that, the people that didn't want him there in the first place, like, I feel, wouldn't have... They've been better off the other way? I don't know. Well, I mean, 
if you when it says here the Thomas critics within the black community were convinced that the community would be better without him because he's a black man and he's dismantling something that yeah. helps black people. He, so it's yeah, almost like a everyone backwards. Yes. Yeah. So you're pushing us further away from um moving ahead. And kind of disappointing in in the sense that this is what we're starting to see from, you know, the the black men of power that were looked up to earlier on is like were you helping or were you hurting us you know and that's right. and that's that's kind of the disappointing thing you know which and, also causes um a lot of people um not to get, get out and vote because right. it's like you're not you're not helping me right. you're not pushing me for you're not giving me anything and you're not helping within the fight when we're already behind and so yeah it just reminds me of the disappointment like with Cosby, you know, I mean, like how he was, you know, revered. Right. He's revered in my household, you know. Well, and, he tried to buy your mom a drink. He, he, did. he tried to buy my mother a drink. We were, oh, he did? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to put that uh, peel in a drink. So, yeah, we, we actually, we, we, dis we discussed this in a, in a previous podcast, but I'll give you the, the quick rundown. But uh, he was in Vegas. He asked my mom. My dad was in the bathroom. And then uh, my dad grabbed him and turned him around and realized it was Bill Cosby. And he's like, oh, wow. uh, but that's my wife kind of thing. So uh, he's, he, he stopped us from, from getting millions of dollars in future lawsuits. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's only one of his stories. His other story is uh, walking around Disneyland as a toddler and Michael Jackson found him and said, what a cute baby. Can I hold him? And my mother said, no, thank goodness. And again, saved us from millions of dollars in future litigation. So these you know, all of these, all of these things that my, my parents did correctly uh, cost us so much money. <laughs> Cost you a lot of money. You're like good times in Florida Evans. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just coming up short. <laughs> As a naturally cautious person, Anita hadn't decided if she was going to disclose her experience with Thomas. Instead, she figured someone would contact her during the Senate investigation. The political date... The political debate surrounding Thomas only made Anita's decision to come forward more difficult. It wasn't until September did someone call from the Judiciary Committee Labor Subcommittee. With the confirmation hearing set for September 10th, they wanted to address rumors about Thomas's behavior. Anita has suggested they investigate the rumors against Thomas. Over the next five days, Anita had spoken with multiple people from multiple branches of the government in regards to this rumor, as they addressed it, from the start of her conversations, Anita had expressed three concerns. One, she didn't want to testify in a public hearing as natures of the events were embarrassing and personal. Two, she wanted to know what kind of process the committee would use to investigate these charges. And three, she was also hesitant to come forward without indication of whether other women had reported similar behaviors. What Anita didn't know was three women who did not know Anita had come forward and were willing to testify. The Judiciary Committee, however, was concerned because two of these women were two of these three women were fired by Thomas and the third had resigned. So we've answered your question. Yeah. Thank you. I knew you would. And if, and, <laughs> and of course, any, anybody who was either fired or resigned is going to be looked at as a, a woman with a vendetta, of course, right? Well, yeah. Well, right. Anita resigned. Yeah. Well, and, you know, they still said that. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. But I mean, again, all a part of the, uh, the well-constructed, you know, mm. it's a, 
Ah, oh, these men. Yeah, so, I hate men. <laughs> <laughs> so so let, let me guess. She expresses these three concerns, and everyone's like, don't worry, we got you on all three of them, right? So on September 10th, 1991, <laughs> the nominations began and would last for 10 days. By September 11th, the information was forwarded to Senator Joe Biden's office, who was Senate Judiciary Committee's chairman. Wait, oh, our current president? Wait, this is great. He's, he's on <laughs> right. our side, right? <laughs> he's got to be on w- our side. One of the good guys. It's old Uncle Joe or you whatever know what? the hell we they We didn't call even him. read ahead. We don't even know where this is going. <laughs> Oh, Creepy Joe, right? Creepy. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. Was it Sleepy Joe? Sleepy, Sleepy Joe. Joe. Creepy Joe. I think, I, well, I think well, the, also, the, he's a hair sniffer. Yeah, I, think, I think the woman who's he's hair, a little handsy. he sniffed probably calls him Creepy Joe a little bit. K- kids don't like him. No. You know, he's like your, yeah, he's like your creepy grandfather. Yeah, yeah, he comes from like a different your, era like where you gran- can smell somebody's hair. It's without, your, your grandpa's yeah. friend from the golf course that uh, <laughs> you, you don't know that well. And he is the leader of the free world. Okay. Is, uh, you know. is Senator uh, you Biden know, one of the good guys? I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For, for Why do we always make this political? <laughs> I, but, you know, I think that it's weird that these really creepy old guys are running the country all the time. I think. <laughs> and, we like, just went off. He's supposed to be our guy, too. I know, but still. I, but nobody yeah, likes him. I didn't, I didn't vote for him in the primaries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, either. No, gotta, that's the thing. Nobody did. What I don't think guys happening? in their 80s should be running the uh, progressive party, but that's just me. Well, I so disagree there. I'm just going to say to answer your question. Well, it wasn't really a question. I'll just add the only hero to this story is Anita. Oh, right. Yes. And That's I'm it. sorry for being ageist just now. 80, 80 year olds can be progressive. <laughs> we got Bernie. Yeah, I guess. I mean, again, again, there's plenty of like young politicians out there that, that make change every single day. Like, you know, why aren't they in the conversation? Why is it always right. old white dudes? Because they're sellers. Right. You talking about Mayor Pete? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know what, Mayor Pete? Again, I you know, at least he hasn't been caught sniffing people's hair. I, I, I don't, I, I, is that the only bad thing he's done? No, he's done horrible things. You're about to find out right now. Uh, Kamala Harris <laughs> called him out, but apparently they've made amends. So, yeah. Did yeah. she? Yeah, during the debate, she told this whole story about this young black girl who was. Taking the bus to school, and that you don't that, that girl was me. Remember, she called him out. And... No, I don't remember. Called him racist, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. By the twelfth, someone had reached out to Anita and left her with the impression that they were just too far into the nomination to stop it, all because her claims of impropriety, and they just wanted this to go away. By September fifteenth, Anita was informed that the committee had decided not to investigate the charges. Somehow, it was interpreted that when she didn't want to testify in public, she wanted to be anonymous. And a few days later, Anita reached out to Biden's office to clear up any misunderstandings and said she wished to proceed. So Anita wrote a four-page statement recounting the times Thomas turned discussions about work into sex, how he would talk about pornographic films, which he watched, and that included bestiality, group sex, rape scenes, and well-endowed men. Women with large breasts, pubic hair on his Coke can. Thomas even would tell Anita that he measured his penis and it was bigger than average. 
<laughs> he had to measure to, to determine that? He could have showed her uh, that video we just watched. <laughs> That's funny. He discussed his own sexual conquest and despite being turned down repeatedly, asked Anita out and each time she turned him down, stating she just wanted to keep this relationship professional. By September 23rd at 6.30 in the evening, the FBI came to Anita's house to interview her. They asked questions about Thomas and even suggested that maybe her behavior or the way she dressed provoked this. Wait, the FBI? Their the, job isn't to make those suggestions. They're supposed to investigate it and then come up with something, right? So are you saying the FBI didn't do their job? I am saying <laughs> that um, maybe in their questioning, they uh, asked questions. They weren't that, sensitive to the victim? Yeah. that's. I would say so. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, we've seen this pattern. I was going to say, I don't know if we've seen that from <laughs> investigative, uh, investigative branches of our government in the past. I mean, right? it, it just sounds here so far like we've made <laughs> a decision. CIA or the already, FBI yeah. or, you know, I mean, the it guy was... who was running the chicken house or the chicken ranch. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> the investigation. The oh. <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah, the, the chicken ranch when the, when the FBI or yeah. when the, they got involved to shut down the only legal brothel in Texas. That's yeah. another episode we right. did. But, um, I mean, it's always what is a woman wearing and somehow they brought right. it on themselves. Right. I mean, we even saw this with the Cosby where they were kind of just like, oh, well, why did she wear a tank top and show her midriff after he assaulted her? And why did this? And, right. you know, it, it's why always somehow. The, it's like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <laughs> I would have you know that when I was assaulted at my work, I was wearing scrubs every single time. You know what? Some guys find scrubs to be really sexy. Yeah, it's though. a fetish. And, is a and whole probably thing. that weird, creepy guy was really into it. But I and I have to go back and, and apologize to uh, any old white dudes. I, I think you're, <laughs> you're awesome. Really... I think you're. I think you're great. But uh, you've, are you? You've... You're really broken up about that, huh? No, no, no. Just in case there are any listening, which there probably aren't. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really our demographic, but you're cool if you're listening. <laughs> Keep it cool. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> After the conversation, Anita had never heard from the FBI again. Nobody from the committee had even reached out to her. Hmm. She knew they interviewed her friend who knew about these claims, but her friend had not heard from them either. So she started to ask around to her friends in the legal field if they had any advice for people she could talk to to follow up on the investigation. So right now she has to do her own work. Like she has to be in proactive for this. Like right. they're kind of like, oh, well, we're too far into it. Maybe you were wearing something inappropriate. So she has to do this. On October 4th, Newsday reached out to Anita on a tip that a certain law professor who had information regarding Thomas. At first, Anita refused to speak. But once it became clear the reporter had a copy of her written statement, the press had the story, and there was nothing Anita could do to stop them. Well, so, okay, so it had been reported to the FBI. The FBI decides not to do anything about it, right? They kind of sit on it. We're yeah. Not, they're, we're they're, not doing anything with this investigation, okay. right? But, I mean, so, I mean, pretty typical, right? I mean, this is a Supreme Court confirmation hearing, you know, uh, their boss is the president of the United States. <laughs> it's like it's probably going to the wrong person to kind of tell on somebody. I would think in this situation, right? I mean, I feel like it went to the right person, which was Biden, because he was the head of the ju Judiciary Committee, and he kind of was just like, "Oh well, sorry guys, we're too far in." 
Right. Yeah. Like they were, I feel like what they did were just formalities to go with the motion that they didn't really, it was just to say, oh, well, we investigated kind of just to cover their bases that they didn't really have the intent to do anything until Anita was like, not today, bitch. Going back to, going back to that era too. I mean, like if it was done today, the the political climate today is so, you know, I'm going to get you on everything. You know, it's so polarized that you know people can't wait to find out something about the opposition but i think back then it was this like you know this old boys club right of like Mm -hmm. well we're not really gonna kind of mess with our own and this could probably happen to me you know i'm sure sure a lot of them were like well i've done that you know so (laughs) (laughs) that's funny that you say that because i thought the same thing of course they're all sitting there going well i've been you know touchy feely Smelling hair, whatever, right. you know. So yeah. <laughs> They're like, well, if I rat him out, then he's going to rat me out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anita was ridiculed by not coming forward earlier, chastised by men circling interviews circulating interviews in support of Thomas doing nightly rounds on the news. One one implied Anita pursued Thomas. Senator Orrin Hatch implied that Anita was too old and too educated to be harassed, forgetting that she was 25 when these incidents occurred. Is that a thing? Wait, what's the uh, the limit on uh, harassment? Yeah. Like what's the age and the education level for where that doesn't happen anymore? Right. Apparently, right. women are some women are too educated to have harassment happen to them. Right. I think it depends. Too old and last. too educated. Yeah. Don't ask R. Kelly that question. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't ask R. Kelly. <laughs> Senator Arlen Sp- <laughs> We got our Kelly coming up too. That one's a heavy one. I know it is. <laughs> and we did the same research as we did with this one for our Kelly's yeah. Senator Arlen Specter of Pennsylvania said he knew Thomas was innocent because he he would ask Thomas about the allegations and Thomas looked him in the eye and denied them. Therefore, he was innocent. That's a credible source right there. However, Senator Specter never once talked to Anita. In fact, not one person from the Judiciary Committee had ever reached out to speak to her, and they were most certainly not going to give their opinions on Anita. Anita didn't report the harassment because she was in fear of her career, and she just wanted the harassment to stop. So she quit. And at this time, only 3% of formal harassment claims ended up in formal complaints. Currently, these are current stats, 63% of women and 79% of men don't report violations for either in fear of retaliation or their harassment was played off as a joke. 75% of sexual harassment cases in the workplace are unreported. The EEOC in 2020 showed that 55.8% of the complaints received during 2020 are related to retaliation after reporting sexual harassment incidents. Women surveyed by the ABC and Washington Post, 95% of the harassers go unpunished. You know, Mm. most of these numbers, you know, probably come from the private sector. And you're talking about somebody who's going up against pretty much every single branch of the United States government. Against the Supreme Court (laughs) Justice. Yeah, like, I mean, the president's We saw this also with with, with the Brett Kavanaugh trial. Like, you know, the women that came forward against him also got the, the same exact argument over 30 years later of, well, why didn't you come forward sooner? Yeah. Why yeah. wait until right. he's now getting nominated yeah. for this big high position? That's a that's a golden oldie right there. That. <laughs> <laughs> and it ain't going away anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. 
I mean, I know right. for me who have had who has had numerous like traumatic experiences. Like you have to sit with that for a while, and you have to grasp for it to and become at least in a place in your head where you can at least survive the day while reliving the trauma. Like you're reliving the trauma to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So you've got to get it in a good place with yourself and center yourself before you say, hey, this happens. And sometimes like there, this stuff, there is no timeline. People deal with it on their own. Like she put it in the back of her head and, and didn't want to deal with it until it was thrown out there and she had to deal with it. So she was, you know, like that was her way of coping. Like was, who wants to relive the trauma? Over and over and over. Of and hearing over Clarence there. Thomas talk right. about King, like, what was it, Big Long Dong, Long Dong Silver, whatever? That's what that was from. Wait, what? The whole Long Dong Silver thing. I, I was, I, that you know, what, that, yeah, that, that was the yeah. porn star he would talk about was oh. Long Dong Silver, who had, um, he was a UK porn actor who had a prosthetic penis that was really really long See, you don't a, get to call yourself that if it's a fake that's a and, and he's, <laughs> okay he's I going mean, way down the rabbit hole when it comes to porn like where he has to find british oh porn my god stars like with, people would verify and go to the blog people like verified that he was actually renting videos that she was talking about at the blockbuster like they were like yeah we knew him at he we, we knew he would rent videos like this so well, this track blockbuster didn't have that little room with the red okay doors, well maybe right? it wasn't a blockbuster no. it was like mr. No. mr video maybe it was yeah. called a freaky deaky i don't know blockbuster <laughs> did not have the, the room of shame okay but but the point being that people even verify like oh yeah he used to come into our store and rent videos that she's describing and so people wow. were coming That's, forward that is good evidence i guess like how else would she know Right, his personal like uh, rental history. But then I guess you uh, have to prove the rental history. Right, right. Well, they could subpoena that. Well, that no, it was easy. ten years before. And and the video store guy would would love to give that information. Oh yeah, and by I then mean, they they weren't really keeping that stuff up. <laughs> right. They weren't keeping that in their database anyway. So here's a video. Give me the two dollars. Right. Then, he bought know, some man. hot tamales and a, he rented a video about bestiality. <laughs> Fucking crazy That's night. Why they had that red door so <laughs> freaky. It was like as soon as you open the red door, it's like. <laughs> So everyone knew that that guy's going to get porn. You've opened the red door. No, no, I just was in the it was in the video store. It was in the room. I was just when minding my own business, and uh, and then you heard the creak. And then and then all of a sudden, I had a video in my hand, and it had nothing to do with Long Dong Silver. You know, I want to say something about um, what you were talking about with why didn't you come forward sooner? I feel like with every decision you make, you have to weigh. The pros and cons right what is your risk versus reward and if she said something way sooner it's like well i'm just starting out i could be jeopardizing my own career i could be jeopardizing his i'm like what am i going to possibly gain out of this is he going to get a slap on the wrist is anything ever really going to happen and so right. you just sit on right it. like why but, why go through this motion if nothing is really going to happen re reward right right, right. And, but and once he's like being nominated to the highest like court position in the land Suddenly, this is a big deal, and you're like, you know what? Something, someone needs to say something, and so you, know, you, can't, you wait until way later. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, like, I don't think. I mean, again, it's 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 got to be. I, I can't, I, I can't empathize with this because I've never had to live in in that sort of trauma. But you know, I mean, it, it is a difficult thing. But like like Connor's saying, you know, and it was kind of like the the whole Trump thing, right? It's like I have some information that might stop this this fucking guy from being the leader of the free world now is the time like when he was just a, a shitty businessman like i let it go but this is a step too far for me 
Right. Are you talking Lucky. about the grab him in the pussy thing where then Billy Bush got fired for it and not him? <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, Trump says it. It's recorded and you're firing Billy Bush? Right. <laughs> uh, cause, well, because he was the one that they could fire. Right. They, like, the, the the agency that owned that footage. He was a scapegoat from the beginning. His name is Billy Bush for coming <laughs> My and question we- is, my question is, is Anita, did she ever feel like maybe she felt guilty of something or did she blame herself for his behavior at one point? Because she was young when this mm-hmm. happened. Uh, maybe she, you know, felt like, well, maybe I shouldn't have allowed him to um, say certain things to me. What did I do for him to say those things to me or to approach me that way? You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cause I think a, yeah. sometimes women feel like that. Yeah. How did I play a part in him coming at me like that? It sounded like from everything I researched, she just went into survival mode. Let me get through the day. Let me save my career. It was just survival mode. Okay. Ha ha ha. You made a funny joke. You know, kind of just numb to it. Because that's what I had to do. I had to go into survival mode until I figured out, oh, I'll close the curtain and I'll think I'm with somebody. But yeah, yeah, I think at that point it was just survival mode from the impression I'm getting from the research. I can't speak for her, but from all the Mm. research I've done, it sounded like it was just a way to survive until she it was affecting her health. And she was like, I'm done. Yeah. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Are you? Guy, I'm just looking at pictures of Clarence Thomas. I, okay. you know, and I know looks have nothing to Did do. Did you with e- it, but... even know that when <laughs> no, they he were looks like a purse? Yeah, he totally does. They were even going when they were trying to discredit Anita. They would call bars in her area to see if she would show up there, and they were trying to create because she was unmarried, no children. Mm-hmm. They were trying to paint this picture she was a lesbian. Wait, as I, a form I went to, to I went discredit to bars when her. I was unmarried and didn't have children. Does but she didn't even go to these bars, but they were calling bars trying to get information like, was she ever with it? Was she ever there? How was she behaving? They were trying to say, oh, well, well like I mean, going. That's what they do, though. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, just, it, this is. It's a character assassination. Right, they're they're right. trying to destroy right. your character. And yeah, you've, you've been in bars, but it's different for you, man. You're a man. Well, you know, I mean, again, under that criteria, I'm a lesbian. So. <laughs> <laughs> fully okay with that the tone had been set for the hearing between the hostile senators and their irresponsible and the irresponsible accusations the press would publish in information in favor of thomas in fact proponents of thomas were quoted three times more often than those who favored anita i that sounds weird yeah okay try it one more time the tone had been set for the hearing between hostile senators and their irresponsible accusations, the press would publish information in favor of Thomas. In fact, proponents of Thomas were quoted three times more often than those who favored Anita's claims. So they were obviously fueling this narrative. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but why? Now, were there- You asked why? (laughs) Well, no, why why is- Have I taught you nothing? Why is the media in on this? Again, I I think we think of things totally (laughs) different than in the 90s, early to like, it's it's crazy how protective the media was over, like, our political system. I don't think there mm-hmm. was as much gotcha shit as there is now. Like, everything is so polarized that, and, and everything's so open because of the internet. Like, 
if you do something wrong, somebody's going to expose you and they, they'll do it as fast as they can. But back then, they try to protect people of power. Mm-hmm. Always had. Right. You know, I mean, you know, uh, how many affairs did every president before now, if you, now if a, a president looks at another woman, he's going to be all over social media, right? But they all had mistresses. They all cheated on their wives. They all did horrible Not things. Not Obama. Except for Obama. <laughs> except for Obama. But he was, he's, he's, in this, he's in this era, right? Of, of right. you know, you can't get away with anything anymore. But the reason you could get away with, with things is that they didn't have the internet and the media would, would keep everything under wraps. They would only let things out that they were allowed to let out. So it wasn't right. the free press. Good points. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I was a history major for like seven minutes. Okay. Well, you're telling the truth because you looked me in the eye I when did. you said that. I, I, that was for effect. <laughs> That's funny. I can tell you were telling the truth because uh, you looked me in the eye. And I, my voice and, got a little and deeper And not here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> On the evening of Tuesday, October 8th, Senator Joe Biden's phone, phoned Anita and informed her a public hearing would convene as early as Friday leaving Anita just 72 hours to prepare. Anita didn't even have legal counsel prepared to represent her. And October 11th, the hearings began. The process, however, was flawed. The committee had zero experience with evaluating sexual harassment claims. This wasn't a civil case being brought in federal court. It was entirely different. None of those rules applied. And the Senate of the Ju- and the Senate Judiciary Committee, because of the lack of experience, and no procedures, the committee was unable to reach a rational conclusion. Therefore, the committee approached it the only way they knew how, like partisan politics. In Senator Biden's opening statement, he declared, the presumption of the truth is with Judge Thomas, meaning if, if it's her word against his, his word would always be better. This hearing was deeper than just party politics. It was also about gender and racial politics. Do you, do you think that this, no, this is tough. Um, if this wasn't televised and all over the place mm. and like, you know, the ability to, you know, do their political grandstanding, do you think that it might've been a little different? No. Oh, I mean, I think it would be different as it would be more of a disappointment. Do you think, I think, which, I think, which way do you think it would have slanted? I though? mean, do you think that... Hmm. I think this hmm. is exactly what it was, political grandstanding, because they were now caught because someone leaked the information and it was coming forward in the press. And now, oh, like, oh, Gary, now we have to do this on a grander scale right. To, right. To, to at least show we care when in reality they were just go like the FBI when they first approached her. They were just going through the motions. So if this wasn't leaked, I think we would just have been gravely disappointed. And this woman would not have not that she saw a victory, but um. Yeah, she would have been left more humble because now I feel like she gets she's having a little bit of victory because people are now listening to her and they're now supporting her and they're now taking her seriously. No, I agree. And like yeah. now, I mean, this side of her story is coming out, and this is the this this is the one we choose to believe because I believe her. Well, it's but, like well, I mean, like hearings nowadays, I think are are just a waste of time. It's just one side yelling their their you know media talking points, and then the other side stands up and does the same thing, and nothing really gets done. But I, I don't think if, if cameras weren't in there, but it, probably back then it probably wouldn't work in her favor, of course. But I think people are probably more willing to speak their mind when they're not being watched by the rest of the world. Like maybe some some people who are empathetic or sympathetic 
would have been a little stronger. You're saying that like her testimonial would have like she'd be more comfortable? No, not her being comfortable, but maybe the committee being more. Um, oh, if they didn't feel like they were being watched right, and judged. Right, right. Mm. I don't, I don't think it's the right time for that, but yeah, I don't think so. But at the same time, I think that if you have this, you know, it's, it's, it's a public sort of thing is that we're, we're going to, we're going to get this guy through. She's the, she's, you know, he's the victim. She's the one who's screwing this up for him. Da, 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 da. We have to kind of push that narrative. But right. if you have the ability to kind of, you know, secretly vote or, not do it in the public eye maybe that sways a little bit back to even but maybe that's just me being an optimist i think so well then screw you connor <laughs> <laughs> i like to believe the best in people yeah no i think we would have just been more gravely disappointed than we are now <sighs> and then that, that it takes us what 30 i don't know the math 30 years that now she's starting to seem some the victory well, it's the same thing with with everybody we've been talking about they're now starting to yeah. get that's why this uh, podcast is so great yeah <laughs> tavern okay let's invite her sunny you come back and we're gonna have anita hill here. oh that would be awesome <laughs> and we'll speak it into existence yes we did it with stormy daniels right you never the know first, she might come on first r kelly I don't want R. Kelly. Anymore. Oh, R we just right. have to, all we have to do is put some put money down. on his JPay, and he will see. <laughs> That's the jail prison money system. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, poor, poor pure Connor. Wait, you guys have sent money to inmates? Oh. Yeah, I mean, all no. Right. No. <laughs> no. I, I, I haven't. I'm sorry. I don't know any inmates. You don't have any. You don't have any pen pals. Come on, man. No. <laughs> uh, me or no? Oh, no, no. no me? I was talking to Connor, but oh. no, if you want to reveal any pen pals that you have on this show? Please let me know. <laughs> Democrats created a space for neutrality, while Republicans fully embraced Thomas. Though Biden led Anita to believe she would testify first, Thomas did. Anita watched the spectacle from her hotel room. At 11 a.m., it was Anita's turn to testify ready to answer from all from the all-male Judiciary Committee. And for eight hours under the hot glare of lights and cameras, she testified, embarrassed as she answered each evasive question. People around the country focused on the TV and the radios, trying to comprehend the spectacle that the spectacle became. The hearing was combined with unpredictable elements of gender, race, power, sex, and politics, and it caused a media explosion. The intense emotional response as women who had to once grin and bear it, or at least let it go out of, or, or at least go out of their way to avoid it, were now looking at sexual harassment as the problem it is. And it shouldn't be dismissed. Dismissing her claims as she was some sort of prude, they painted her as a mentally unstable woman who fantasized about having relationships with Thomas. Erotoma, erotomania. What is that? It's where I... Look it up. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Isn't that funny, Sunny? Is that like we we make her do all the heavy lifting? Like she does all of the research and does like all of the reading. And I'm trying to mess her up while she reads. We're not looking <laughs> things up. Like it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I looked it up and then I totally forgot what it was. But <laughs> yeah, uh, erotomania is known as declarum bumps. 
syndrome. It's a psychiatric syndrome characterized by the delusional belief that one is loved by another person of generally a higher social status. Erotomania. Wow. Erotomania. Okay. Gotcha. Each senator tried to humiliate her. She never faltered. Ignoring the numbness in her legs from sitting down for hours, the pain in her abdomen from tumors, she didn't even drink water in front of them. Her story was made into a political ploy suggesting the Democrats were trying to derail Thomas's nomination and not for what it really was, as a victim coming forward. Uh, well, we have a clip here of her testimony. Why don't we go ahead and give it a listen just a little bit. How reliable is your testimony in October of 1991 on events that occurred eight, ten years ago. How sure can you expect this committee to be on the accuracy of your statements? I guess one really does have to understand something about the nature of sexual harassment. Uh, it is very difficult for people to come forward with these things. I've got to determine what your motivation might be. Are you a scorned woman? Do you have a militant attitude relative to the area of civil rights? Do you have a martyr complex? The issue of fantasy has arisen. Are you interested in writing a book? Wow. wow. I can't believe how similar this is to that Canada who, trial. Who was the uh, the first guy? The, uh, the, the one old, that the looked old like... man from Up. Oh my God, I was thinking yeah, the same yeah. thing. <laughs> It was uh, uh, scar. You a scorned woman? <laughs> no, it's crazy. It, it, this really feels like she's on trial, and she's yeah. not. Uh -huh. And the fact that he went first, which isn't usually the case. Usually, if it's a trial, and I know that this yeah. isn't a trial; it's a hearing. But um, usually, you have the the plaintiff go first, and then the defendant has an opportunity to defend himself. Here, he came on first, went on the offensive, and all and of these then, senators are attacking her. Yeah, that's. A <laughs> Jeez, what a what a firing line of of you know. Uh, was that Biden in there? Cholesterol medication and Biden was in there and Viagra yeah. up there. Uh, Biden wasn't uh, very friendly to her. No, I like and you know what? It's funny is that it, why is he better looking now than he was? Then? <laughs> <laughs> it's a hair, hair transplant. That oh, is, that's right. That's he has more right. hair. Oh, Connor. Like I said, the only hero in the story is Anita. Yeah. So after hearing that, Sunny, what are your thoughts hearing those? Uh, I'm sorry for me, because um, I watched the video too. Uh, I feel like I feel really bad for her, to be honest. Um, I'm just watching that and seeing those old men look at her like it was her. You know, they were making her the villain. Like, you could just see she was emotionally exhausted. You yeah. could just see it. You know, the discomfort factor that you mentioned earlier, too. I mean, like, I, looking back at the pictures, I remember, um, you know, seeing the hearing. And, you know, I mean, she looks, like, extremely uncomfortable. And I thought it was just because, you know, she's up at this hearing. But you mentioned she's, like, got tumors and, and like, going through a, a whole lot. I mean, what a what a strong woman to actually go and, and get through that you know um, win lose or draw but again that firing line of old ass dudes just <laughs> right <laughs> just and, and we wonder why her. women don't come forward yeah like right. I, shit i mean <laughs> i would hate to sit in front of those guys and have them you know 
argue a parking ticket with me. And, and those guys and those old men <laughs> who cannot relate to this woman. No. They, no way in the world are they relatable or at all. Um, y'all felt bad for her. I, <laughs> in no, that moment, I was side. like, this woman is just, you could tell she's just a wholesome type of woman, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And then to sit amongst people and have to fight and say, you know, this is what happened to me. And probably knowing deep down inside that she wasn't going to win that case. Yeah, and not have one of those guys on your side. Right. Well, right. It's because they don't relate to her that I think they actually more closely relate to him. Are you a him. scorned mm-hmm. woman? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what do they sir, all sound like? Foghorn Leghorn. But let's bring up the point. Even one of those men said, you were the only woman to come forward. When in reality, mm-hmm. oh. she wasn't the only she woman to come forward. Point. So Wait, what didn't others? they? There were yeah. <laughs> so what don't they know? What information wasn't transferred to them? Who's interviewing her? You, because you're the only woman. When we already knew that there were others that did come forward. Is that is that the case though, or are they just conveniently forgetting? Well, they they came forward, but they're not. They didn't make it this far. Yeah, but I mean, people talk. You don't think these guys get information? They had already made. Yeah, but they had already made up their mind. Yeah. By this point. Yeah. That's, right. that's they a, believed that, him. That's irrelevant. Mm hmm. When the testimony had ended, Republican senators campaigned harder against Anita, making the hearing more about media control instead of how unqualified Thomas was to be serving on the court. Biden planned to end the day with Anita's testimony, but instead he was met with threats that Thomas would hold a conference in front of the hearing room doors, stating that he had been denied the right to defend himself. So Biden allowed Thomas the opportunity to respond. And on primetime Friday night with millions of people watching, Thomas once again took the stand. So, I mean, this, you know, like, like, you know, from before, I mean, this kind of worked out in his benefit. Like, don't look at the fact that I'm I'm gonna be a shitty appointee. <laughs> Look at this over here, and I'm a victim now. And it kind of just he kind of right. gets to kind of sashay his way onto the bench, right? Right. That son of a bitch with the smoke in the mirrors. <laughs> right. <laughs> During this questioning, Thomas would deliver angry and intimidating remarks, calling this a calling this hearing a high tech lynching and accusing Democratic senators of racism aimed at conservative blacks. Thomas made it clear that anybody who supported the ch- the charge of harassment would be vigorously engaging in deplorable acts of lynching. His speech. <laughs> what was that? Figuratively or vigorously? That, it's figurative. <laughs> it's it's figuratively. <laughs> I'm reading figuratively, which is a, yep. a great word. The fact that it's not. I even like how I spend there. days typing this and <laughs> writing this, and then they make fun of my fucking typos. <laughs> Uh, okay. It's like one happy family in here. Wait, that's not a word. Figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas made it clear that anybody who supported the the charge of harassment would figuratively be engaging in the deplorable act of lynching. His speech of high tech lynching created two sides. You either supported him or you were racist. Oh. So this right here pissed me off. Ooh, I because, like pissed off, Sonny. I mean, not <laughs> <laughs> because what he did, he basically sealed his nomination into that seat, right? Even though they, with America, it's like OJ, right? 
OJ, you know, he plays football. He marries the pretty white woman and he's living his life and he's doing everything. Um, you know, he's the, the token athlete, the token man, and he hangs up out with nothing but white people. But when he kills Nicole, all of a sudden he has to have the black yeah. community to stand by him. Yeah. And so he goes in and changes everything to, you know, get the black people on his side and stand with him. And this is what Thomas did um, by making this speech because lynching, you play the race card is what you did mm -hmm. towards Absolutely. this black woman, mm -hmm. which is deplorable in my, and now when I look at him, I'm just like, I'm even more disgusted. Um, and I think about him, I'm like, this dude played the race card. Right. And they had no choice but to put him there because if they didn't put him in the seat, then you have black people probably protesting or whatever the case may be. And, and then she, even though she was blamed, it would have even made her life harder. Right. Because you, you know, ruined this black man's life. And and, you know, it, that was some that was some evil conservative publicist that that put those words into his mouth too. They're like, say this, this will work. I'm telling you, coming out of <laughs> yeah. your mouth, this is gonna work, and and it did. Like that it that did. is the unfortunate thing, and that's it's it's crazy because again, there, this this woman who was completely victimized is is just it's again just it, it's just nonstop against her, and it ugh. I mean, she has nothing to gain by coming forward. Nothing. nothing. She has everything nothing. to lose. Nothing. So why? Why do it? Just just to do what's right? I mean, that's right. Well, I think so. And that's and that's right. and I think that's to do the question. it for your country. Like our country needs to be based on integrity, and this man doesn't have anything. And people any wonder integrity. why people don't. It's like, is that a right. good enough reason to take all of this shit? Like, you know what? <laughs> if I can't, if I can't change it anyway, why should I do it? But I mean, you know, right. but it's, it's so, it's so amazing that she did because, you know, now we've come such a long way and we can look back on that and, and, and say, you know, I don't think we've come right that, I mean, well, she I did mean, the right thing, but I don't think as women, especially since we've already realized the whole no. Trump thing, we <laughs> haven't come as far as we like to think we're a little further. Well, I think we would say that about all progressive issues, right? I yeah. mean, like. Yeah, yeah, the world is is better than it was, but is it anywhere near where we need it to be? Absolutely not. And when we do make those changes to to benefit women, if we ever do, you know, there's going to be something else that we're that we're subjugating, you know, or, or or pushing down or making feel wrong, you know. So it's just a never ending cycle. And why do people right. keep keep fighting against it? And I just have so much respect for people who continue to do so when it just seems like we don't really move the the goalposts very far. Right. The irony in this speech is Thomas had always belittled people who saw racism as an obstacle. His own sister, for example, Thomas had made remarks to the family members about how he was innocent because Anita was too dark skinned. Thomas had aligned himself with power and the very power that exploited racism for political purposes. Anita herself being labeled a racist and an accomplice of racism. <laughs> She was too dark skinned. She, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds familiar too, by the way. What? Yeah. The um, why would I sexually assault her? Look at her. Yeah. She oh, liked, from uh, the whole right. Trump. Yeah. See, I didn't even have to say who said it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. True. Because by then he was married to to his wife. Now. Yeah. 
the, the white woman that he's married to. Right. So now she's too dark skinned because look at my wife. Why would I get on her? Oh, Jenny, yeah. who called Anita at her work and left a voicemail. Uh, Say, stay out of it. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> she had after the fact called Anita at her work and uh, left a voicemail. Why are you doing this? And and in one of the movies, yeah. there's a documentary on Amazon where Anita plays the voicemail and you hear Jenny talking about wow. it. Yeah. She knew her husband was guilty. Man, you know what? I, is this, is she this looked a, the other way because the power. Is, is this who you're talking about? Vir Virginia Thomas? Yeah, but she goes by Jenny. Oh, Jenny. Yeah, I see. So <laughs> is this, should this be a rule of thumb? Like if, if your dude's cheating or, you know, there's some sort of scandal with another, with or let's say just even your partner, don't call the other person. Like you should be... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that reminds me when i found like <laughs> when when i found two girls arguing online about my boyfriend and how they were fighting over him and right. i'm like this is my boyfriend like you're fighting the wrong person <laughs> yeah you wanted right. to get in on that fight yeah. no i was i took the fight to him and said excuse me but who are these ladies fighting over you i didn't even I could have messaged them and said, excuse me, can you fill me in on this? Because yeah. I'm the girlfriend. That's a fight right. you don't want to win. <laughs> yeah, but right. but I went to him instead and was like, yeah. can you tell me about this? It's like, you know, and, uh, I got stories. <laughs> <laughs> Stop fighting each other and look at who's in the middle of this. That's the person. Right. That's the person I, who's I, being yelling at. Right. You're the problem. These two women right. fighting over you are not the problem. It's just, I don't, I Googled his name and I don't know what made me Google his name, but when I Googled his name, that was the first thing that popped up were two girls on a cheating site arguing over him. When was this? Ooh, can you tell me his this name? This is the boyfriend you're thinking of. Can you type in his name here so I can look him up? <laughs> Wait, Heather's the one that showed us stutter dud to background check men before you date them. I am a single woman. <laughs> Don't, I need to know if these men have felonies, okay? Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like I need to know, I need to know if there's other if there's other Clarence Thomases in the background. I just just to to be fair, but yeah, no, I had Googled his name, and then this popped up on a cheater's blog, and then there were screen grabs of these girls' Facebook pages. Wait, so I looked them up, and then the profile pictures matched, and it, they were recent, and they're posting back and forth on this blog. And so I sent him the link and said, "What is this?" There, there's a cheater's blog. Uh, there was. I, I mean, I haven't Dude, googled I mean, in a while. And then, of course, up. he turns it around on me. Well, why are you googling me? Because there's, a, there's yeah. a blog where people share information about guys who are cheating That's on them. Because I we yeah. need to talk about yeah. this. We need to. <laughs> Maybe we can share this on another episode. We're talking about a need now. Look at me making it about me. We're gonna be detectives on this show. I'm into it. <laughs> With this speech, he claimed the sexual harassment charges pandered to the sexual stereotypes of black men, but nobody mm -hmm. recognized how his words also pandered to the stereotypes about black women's sexuality. Mm -hmm. History shows women being exploited for their sexuality, whether it was for pre-creation pre of slaves or being victims of abuse. Historically, there was no criminal penalty in the South in the South, if a black woman was raped by any black or white man until 1959, when <laughs> Betty Jean Owens testified against four of her white rapists and were sentenced and her sent her assailants were sentenced to life in prison. As a group, history created an image of that they were presumed to be unchaste or available. And because of this stereotype, if they were sexually violated, there was no offense. So trigger warning, I'm going to speak of statistics. According to the National Center of Violence Against the Black Community, for every 
15 black women who were assaulted, only one goes to the police. 22% of black women have been raped at some point in their life, according to the CDC. One in four black girls will be sexually abused by the age of 18. Wow. That's deep. So with these numbers, if, if one in four, one in five are assaulted like as kids, and only one in 20 of them even come 15. forward? One in 15? Yeah. Yeah, we, that's we, kind of, that's heavy. But that's very, yeah, very heavy. That's why I said it ties into uh, the 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 uh, rap culture as well. Rose, mm-hmm. I was just thinking that, like that mm-hmm. that makes that a lot more real, you know. Like that's 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 mm-hmm. a lot more sobering. Senator Hatch even accused Anita of fabricating the Coke can story because of the book The Exorcist. It had a reference of pubic hair on a drink. Even though some of Thomas's old colleagues had said the Cocaine reference was something Thomas would say and therefore was inclined to believe Anita. I don't understand this um, fetish. like The Cocaine thing? With the pubic hair on the Cocaine, is that like a thing? No, it was kind of something he said in jest, like they were in a courtroom or not. They were in a conference room, not a courtroom. And then like, I guess the meeting was over and he kind of said it like, who put the, pu- the pubic hair on my Coke? I shouldn't have said it that way. <laughs> That's how I because I know that line. No, because I watched the movie and I remember (laughs) the scene happening, and now I feel like that was just that was microaggressive, and I apologize. Now after doing that, your penance is to read the entire thing in your clearance. I mean, because because that's how like that's how I learn and listen. (laughs) That's how I learn and listen is because like because of my because I'm dyslexic. I listen, I learn to a beat. And so when things, mm-hmm. when I listen to things in my head, like I listen to it as a beat and that was a beat when I was watching the movie. So I remember it and, and it just came out that way. Yeah, every time you tell me that, I, I feel bad for Czechoslovakia, but I, just, I don't know why it makes us laugh so much. I'm doing a good job reading today. No, you're incredible. You're the best. No, you, you are, you make this thing work. <laughs> No, this is all sunny today. <laughs> no, you're doing a good job. And despite the misinformation and Anita not being offered an opportunity to once again defend herself, Chairman Biden entered the misinformation onto the record. On October 15, 1991, the Senate voted 52 to 48 to confirm Thomas as the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Thomas won the support of 41 Republicans and 11 Democrats, while 46 Democrats and two Republicans voted to reject the nomination. But despite skepticism of the trial, complaints fired with the EEOC increased over 50% with a record-breaking number of 7,407 complaints filed by men and women in 1992. By Sunday, and even though polygraph tests are not administered as evidence in federal court, Anita was given one in an attempt to combat the antics of the Republicans in an attempt to counter their political maneuvering. Thomas Republican supporters denounced that they characterized as a dubious political trick, and they moved immediately to prevent it from being a factor in the ongoing committee hearings. These were just the same Republicans that supported Paula Jones when she sued Bill Clinton for sexual harassment. So the same men that were chastising Anita are the ones cheering for Jennifer. Right. I see. That's an interesting morsel of information. 
I can't believe politicians would talk out of both sides of their mouth like that. That's crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, like like all the people uh, right now standing up for Joe Rogan's uh, freedom of free speech are the same people burning books. <sighs> you know exactly. You can't. You just people are horrible. Again, except for our listeners. I will say that I'm a little <laughs> proud. I'm kind of proud that because I got a couple DMs from people saying, hey, where else can I find you? I canceled my Spotify. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, we're everywhere. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, not that we would make a difference, but <laughs> like our little podcast, but like you go. By the way, uh, I did find some uh, cheaters blogs. Oh, where, 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 where people Perfect. where people are outed, but yeah. here's here's the the crappy thing about it. What's that? So all of these, this particular website is called she's a homewrecker dot com. Oh not God. sponsored. Wow. And it's it's again, it's her fault. It really it, it really is. It's <laughs> why like is it, why is it always her fault? It's like this like, woman right. is involved with a married man. This woman has was involved that, with several married men. But that woman is not even married. Then why is she on the side? I know, but with <laughs> the two. Look at this. There's she, one person married here. She knowingly goes after taken men, but every one of these women is getting blamed for for the affair. And it's right. kinda when it's like kinda messed up. It's two to tango. You know, and and she didn't take any vows, he did. Uh, yeah. Right. But we're never we're never gonna find a website where where, where the, the, the married men get the uh, shamed. <laughs> Let's start one. <laughs> <laughs> Committee Chairman Joseph R. Biden Jr. agreed and overruled one of his fellow Democrats, Thomas critic Howard M. Metzenbaum of Ohio. He tried to get a reference to the polygraph test entered into the hearing. Biden said, if we get to the point in this country where lie detector tests are the basis upon which we make judgments, we have reached a sad day for civil liberties in this country. He's kind of right. Lie detectors are kind of BS. Anita had passed the exam. Right. But they're, but, but they're, so, they're easy to pass. Well, okay, it's a so, thing, though. So he's saying that he doesn't believe in polygraphs altogether. Right. And he says once we have to rely on that, then we've, we've, we've just destroyed civil liberties. Right. But, because, what, because what if she didn't? That, a lot of people don't because you're nervous, your heart's racing. Like you're, but again, it's, 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 but it's an, just another reason that they can, you know, you can use that either way. If it works in your favor, you're like, oh, but he, you know, didn't pass a polygraph test. And then if it doesn't work in your favor, you're like, oh, that's unreliable. You know, it's, it's, I've never do? taken a polygraph test to know. But the, yeah, but they, they are inadmissible. Next episode. Next episode. But is that the reason why he apologized to her? Joe Biden called her because he knew that she was telling the truth. I don't know the formal reason why. I think he, well, he didn't give her a fair shot in this trial. That's obvious. Mm -hmm. Do you think that he was sincere? She said she was not satisfied. I'm asking you, do you think he was sincere? I know she doesn't. I know she said that she appreciated it, but it wasn't enough. Right. And I get that. But do you think like of what you know and and what you think of of Joe Biden, who he is now, do you think do you think there's room for change and growth or do you think that this is just kind of a PR move? You asking me? Yeah, I think that there's always room for growth because, you know, we're forever evolving. So I believe in that. Um, I, I believe that. Once looking back on it for him, I think that he felt like, you know what, um, I was wrong in the decision making. Um, at the time, though, they didn't really have a, a 
they really didn't have a, 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 a form of how they would run things right during right. the time for something like this. Um, yeah, I think he, I think he feels bad about it. I think Joe, to me, Joe Biden just seems like a good guy, a yeah. good wholesome dude, you know, um, good old <laughs> grandpa. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a cool, I think him being in politics, as long as he has, he has to play the game. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what he did knowing, like I said, they had already made their decision anyway right. of how this was going to go. Um, I do believe now looking back, I think because he's gotten older and wiser, he's looking at it and saying, I was wrong. I well, was definitely it, wrong in this situation. I think it's easier to when your constituency is now moved in that direction too. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, know, everybody who would support Joe Biden would want him to apologize to Anita Hill. So that makes it, right. I don't know. Easier? I, would want him. I think he wants to do better and he wants to grow, but I don't think he understands the magnitude of what he did then. I agree with you. Don't think so. I, yeah. No, I kind of agree. agree. Yeah. I don't yeah. think, he yeah, I don't think yeah, yeah. he understand the magnitude of how he impacted her life and therefore he can't give substantial apology. Well, the world was different, right. you know, and in, in, in a bad way, I think that we've, we have progressed and, you know, I think treating women like that and treating black women like that was far too commonplace. Right. You know? And so again, being up there on that panel, <laughs> He's sitting with a bunch of guys who <laughs> are just annihilating her. Like, right. <laughs> you know, I mean, if he's like the guy being in like, a clan meeting, if yeah. you said it like that. He's like, yeah, he's the only guy in a clan meeting going, hey, guys, can you calm it down a little bit? Like, like, right. <laughs> that would not have looked good for Don't him. Don't think I'm the sure, burning but, crosses are necessary, but, guys. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, that doesn't excuse it. But at the same time, I, I think that uh, he has taken steps to to be better. I do believe he's taken yeah. steps to be better, but I don't believe mm-hmm. he understands the emotional impact of what he has done to Anita at that moment. Is no. this the reason why he's putting uh, trying to find a black woman judge that yeah. she has something to do with this? Yep. Uh, I think he's doing it because he thinks it makes him look good politically. Well, it's but... all the above. It's actually all of the above. I mean, it's all it's all a part of the agenda, right? right. I apologize to Anita Hill. I appoint a black woman to the Supreme actually, Court. He didn't even really done. apologize to her from what I'm reading here. It, no. Uh, like he, he said, I'm sorry for what happened to you. I'm sorry that you were treated badly. But he, he stuck so really he short. So he didn't take accountability yeah. for his yeah. actions. He, he, he does okay. say when they when they pressed him on, on The View, um, he, he said, I don't think that I said anything wrong. If if you okay. go back and watch what I said, well then he's incorrect. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like how you just say it matter of yeah. fact. Well, he's, he's incorrect. Like, then he's wrong. He says I don't think I treated her badly, but I'm sorry for the way that she was treated. In in my looking for cheater blogs, by the way, I found <laughs> this uh, on this, this private detective that is having a Valentine's Day special. Just in case anybody <laughs> <laughs> reach reach out and see if he wants to do an ad on the podcast. Yeah, I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Sponsored by Cheater Detective Gomez. Old. <laughs> <laughs> Old colleagues who had discussed these incidents with Anita years before risked their reputations and what was at stake to testify on Anita's behalf. Having failed efforts to attack the credibility of Anita's witnesses and accepting the testimony, the committee now sought to attack why they didn't encourage Anita to file a complaint sooner. Now, anybody who had come forward taking the risk to offer testimony were now being shied for their irresponsibility in not pursuing the claim earlier and dismissing them on what they were saying 
wasn't truthful. The only Democrat on the Judiciary Committee who actually stood up for Anita was Ted Kennedy. But he had his own scandal to deal with at the time when a woman came forward that Ted's nephew, William, had raped her at the Kennedy estate after meeting him, Ted, and cousin Patrick at a bar. Three women came forward with claims of assault during this particular trial. But by Mm. this time, it was too little, too late. So the only person supporting you is also caught up in a rape trial. Well, and has had a share of incidences in the past. I mean, Chappie Quidditch. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's always in some sort of scandal. He's a Kennedy. You oh, know. those Kennedys. <laughs> in the end, the Senate seemed hostile. From hearing from anyone on Anita's side, the only reason she was allowed to testify was because of public pressure. They rejected other claims by other women, refusing to hear test statements and consider testimony of experts in the field of sexual harassment. However, what they did have time for were the testimony of multiple women supporting Thomas's claims that they had ne- that he has never acted inappropriately towards them. And from the beginning, Democrats were impatient. Republicans seemed only interested in destroying Anita, and Anita had had enough and no longer wanted to subject herself or her friends to the committee's assaults. So Anita decided it was enough and went home. Well-wishers would send her flowers, but soon bond threats and hate mail started to arrive. Her phone rang constantly with threats, and some someone even rented a billboard and posted her phone number on it. Oh, Strangers geez. accosted her and condemned her to hell. Some frightened her, some shocked her, others angered with her. On the morning of October 15, 1991, Clarence Thomas had enough votes to be confirmed succeeding Thurgood Marshall and a 52 to 48 vote. Immediately after the vote, President George Bush announced Thomas was a wonderful inspiration and congratulating him for a job well done. Like he didn't watch the trial at all. (laughs) Right, you are an inspiration. Great job, guy, great job. Can you imagine if this was going on during Could you imagine being Anita watching the president praise your... Or, you know, I mean, like stuff started happening to her, you know, people are, are calling her and they're posting her, her phone number. But like, imagine if Facebook was around back then. Right. My goodness. My right. goodness. Sunny being a victim of doxing. Right. <laughs> right. right. Like she's like, I get this. <laughs> but I'm not like Anita Hill. You know, she kind of looked this somber. I'm just like, OK, come to my house if you want to. Yeah. I believe <laughs> in open carry. <laughs> In response to the hearing, mostly women protested against the confirmation of Clarence Thomas. In Washington, D.C., on the steps of the Senate building and other cities, most women gathered to demonstrate outrage of the confirmation of Thomas, the existence of sexual harassment, and the insensitivity by elected representatives. Throughout the country, women who thought their rights were protected against abuse realized the law was not enough and that they were too vulnerable. They had been made aware of the lingering sexism and had gotten involved in making other women aware. In 1992, Peter Fleming was hired by the Senate to conduct an investigation on the leaks to the FBI. A 300-page investigation seemed more concerned on who leaked Anita's reports to the FBI and less about Anita. The people who were closest to the source of the leak were more protected from the government intrusion than Anita was, who was a private citizen and had a constitutional protection herself. But nobody on the Senate felt the need to recognize her rights. See, that all sounds familiar too. Like when Hillary Clinton's emails were leaked, 
the mm. media was all about like who leaked the emails and like is it relevant at this point? We got him. Like <laughs> right, right. Rumors circulated that the federal support of the University of Oklahoma was in jeopardy because of their support for Professor Hill. Men in suits had been found rubbaging through the garbage in the basement looking for in anything that had Anita's name on it. Funds were raised for an endowed professorship in Anita's name to study women in the workplace. However, though the University of Oklahoma had no problem receiving the $125,000 funds raised, they did question the name, not focusing on the research purposes of the endowment, the person. Even 74 professors before her had endowments approved with their name before her. So now they don't even want to do an endowment for her so because of her name, even though other people had it done and people privately raised this money for her. And they're saying, eh, no, we don't want it. So this is so 74 other professors had endowments. And now this one, they've got the Anita Hill endowment of 125,000 bucks. And they're like, cool. Thank you. Can we call it something else? Yeah, that's exactly it. Wow. Thoughts on that, Sunny? Do you have any thoughts? I felt bad for her. I mean, <laughs> she gets no justice all the way around. Right. You know, it's like she's getting, you know, dragged through the mud over right. and over and over. She's getting beat over and over again. It's like an abused woman. And she's just taking the beating. I, I feel bad for her. I feel bad, even knowing back then I was like, eh. and but and, and then when I look at it now, I'm just like, it wasn't her. It was him the whole time. And then the system, you know, in her name, kind of like Monica Lewinsky. Right. Mm-hmm. She can't go anywhere because now she's known as, you know, yeah. fellatio woman or whatever the case may be. She likes uh, cigars. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, Sonny, <laughs> Sonny, um, I mean, you say you said it earlier, too, and I think you hit the nail right on the head. I, I don't think anybody felt comfortable with Clarence Thomas after this anyway. I mean, whether you were in support or not, like, I, I just remember, like, it, it, it feeling like this woman was was trying to ruin this guy's career and then after it was all said and done you were kind of like eh he's kind of skeezy like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't think anybody was like cheering for him after that i think everyone's going right. yeah well i guess <laughs> right because at the end you know he's not helping us anyway yeah. he's not doing anything to help you right. know no Nothing. Black people, nothing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even like being black is the way I look at it. But I don't even think conservatives. <laughs> like, I mean, con- conservative but not with him. I don't think he likes being a black man, to no. be honest with you. Yeah. And and again, conservatives having a puppet is one thing. They don't have to like him. You know, mm-hmm. so right. I, <laughs> it's weird. He has to go through, you know, this whole, con- uh, you know, confirmation hearing stuff and then the Anita Hill stuff comes up and then he ends up getting what he, what he wants. And I think he's probably probably the least respected judge on the, on the whole panel. Right. Right. Probably, mm-hmm. probably still to this day. Well, I think Kavanaugh <laughs> also came and enjoyed the unrespected club. Uh, but I, but I think that conservatives are a little more in Kavanaugh's corner than they are in Clarence Thomas's. Cause I mean, right. he's, I he's a white guy. I kind of have this fantasy that RBG is, would just sit there and just troll him all the time. <laughs> I just have this hope that behind closed doors, she would just call him, you fucking motherfucker. (laughs) I just, this is my fantasy I want in my head. I think she insults him, like, 
and he doesn't even understand what she's saying. It's so, <laughs> it's so educated, you know? Right. <laughs> she'll insult him and he'll be like, thank you, Ruth. You know, like. <laughs> Anita in the spring of 1994 had decided to apply for an unpaid leave of absence at her university. She wanted to focus on writing her memoirs and a collection of essays based on race and gender. Ironically, the people who claimed that her presence at the University of Oklahoma was an embarrassment were the same people trying to block this leave. They argued she should be fired, and once again she was chastised for exercising her right as as countless others had before over the 40 years this policy has existed. And once again, the governing board made their political agenda dictate their academic policy. So in the fall of 1996... Anita taught her last semester at the University of Oklahoma. The hearing woke up many women to the failure progress of women issues. Sexual harassment was no longer a political issue, but now a legal issue. The Supreme Court decided that outside the existing legislation, the victims could sue for damages up to $300,000, and for the first time, jury trials would be a possibility. The episode served to foster the greater public awareness of the problems of sexual harassment in the workplace. News of Justin Stephen Byer's expected retirement from the Supreme Court at the end of its current terms had reignited the questions of who will succeed him. Mr. Biden has pledged repeatedly that if given the chance to fill the vacancy on the Supreme Court, he would nominate the first black woman. The president declined to release a list of possible possible contenders for the Supreme Court during the 2020 presidential campaign. If Mr. Biden's replacement for Byers is confirmed by the Senate, she would not only make history as the first black woman to serve on the Supreme Court, but it would also mark the first time two black justices would be on the high court at the same time. Four women would also be on the bench simultaneously. President Biden says he hopes to announce his pick replacing retiring Justice Stephen Byer on the U.S. Supreme Court by the end of February. The court is only as strong as the people who are sitting on it. So having two justices whose integrity has been called into question is a blow to the court and the entire judicial system of this country. In December, Chief Justice John Roberts released a year of the in a year in report on the federal judiciary, and according to a recent Gallup poll, the Supreme Court has had the lowest public approval rating in history. Dang. So mm. Uh, I actually found uh, a list. We were talking about uh, his uh, popularity. I didn't put his name in there, but I looked up the five worst Supreme Court justices in American history. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been 115 Supreme Court justices over the years. Okay. And is this, so this Thomas, is the top five. It's the top five. All right. Clarence Thomas made the list. He is number five, <laughs> but he's Wait. he's the only... Uh, he's the only living one on the list. Number one being the worst, of course, right? I think so. I mean, who makes a, a list of the top five where five is the worst? And the oh. only living one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should tweet him. Congratulations. Right. Congratulations on your victory. You well, suck. That's an, an old list. He's been there for a while. Uh, yeah. It's from 2015. So 2015. We've, we've got a few new ones. Yeah. Hey, uh, and they were doing horrible things to people in like the 1800s. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, but he still made the top five. That's pretty scary. Right? Oh, man. Uh, that puts things into perspective. Yeah, it does. Okay, so every episode, Sunny, we suggest a charity. And you being our guest, get the, the honors to pick a charity. Which charity have you decided? 
I chose um, the Mario Fennell Foundation.org. It is um, ALS. He was one of my best friends who passed away with uh, AL, having ALS. He was diagnosed in 2016. He passed away in 2017. Aww. And so he Sorry left his legacy loss. behind. Thank you. He left his legacy behind by um, uh, creating a foundation. Wow. So I, me- I remember a f- few years ago, we had this uh, the ice bucket challenge to raise awareness for ALS. And so mm-hmm. we all knew about the ice bucket challenge, but we never really knew about ALS or knew anyone who had been affected. And so here you have a friend um, and it's the... Uh, uh, is, it, is it the Mario A. Fennell yeah, that's it. ALS Foundation.org? Yeah, we'll, we'll, put the, uh, we'll put the link put in the, the show notes. Down. And so what happens is if any of our listeners want to make a contribution to this charity, we'll match it. Just uh, <laughs> just go ahead and send us a, a DM with a screenshot. <laughs> right, of what you match, and then we'll match it. Sunny, where can we find you? You can find me on YouTube at Don't Tell Me, Tell the People with Sunny. <laughs> and your Instagram. Oh, my Instagram page, uh, don't tell me, tell the people on IG. Which Instagram. is probably the one I go to the most. I don't read story. I don't look at the stories, but I always look at yours. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Well, I just, again, I subbed earlier and I hit the bell. So, you know, well, thank you, have you, so new, much. you have a new fan right here. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really do appreciate you asking me to come on. This is really fun. Thank you for coming. I know I said it would be like an hour and an hour and a half, and then we, this is. Thank you for staying, and happy birthday! I'm. I'm. Tell your happy husband birthday. thank you for being patient yes, with thank us. You. Happy birthday! And Sunny. thank you so much for trusting us to come on. And you know, I know with networking, it's always a little dangerous who you attach your names to, but we promise you, we want to make you proud and proud of us. Oh, so. absolutely! This is good. <laughs> good a podcast. Well, so there it is. There you you're go. welcome to come on anytime. I'm sure I'll slide in your DMs and say like, "Hey, I'm working on this one. Would you be interested?" <laughs> I would like to do the Art Kelly one with you. That would be interesting. Oh, <laughs> yes. I can send you that information. That one's written. I just didn't want to do it this month. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how we get him to zoom in too. But it's a little red tape. Gutty, Gutty's little bait. Yeah. As, as somebody who has who has experience which they pay I might be able to oh my goodness that's funny just a couple of 10 pounds that's all right. well if you guys enjoyed listening to this podcast we do ask that you subscribe you can find us on Apple Podcast Google Podcast uh, Amazon Pandora Fuck Spotify oh yeah we like that Fuck Spotify (laughs) wherever you can find podcasts except for Spotify I mean we're on there but you know don't use it yeah, go go, go around it. Uh, if you you can follow us on Instagram at Madam's Hose H E A U X S and Gigolos. And is there anything else? No, no, I think no. You guys we've, covered it. Yeah, we've got we've got a charity. We've got our Instagram. We got where you can find us. We shout it out, Sunny. Make sure you give us a five star rating and uh, and thank you again, Sunny, for joining us. It was a great talk. Oh, thank to you. you. Yeah, thanks awesome. for listening. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Bye, good night.